0: Let's share together in a word of prayer, shall we? Oh, Lord, we are um, here today. We are looking for encouragement and uh, also at the same time instruction. We want to know uh, more about you. And we know that we can best do that by reading your word, inquiring into it every day. For every day within your word, we find encouragement, we find promises, and we find, Lord, the assurance of eternal life. And so we are thankful, Lord, over these um, few weeks to understand more greatly uh, what it means to make a decision, to step across the line, and to give our lives to you in commitment. We are thankful that you, in commitment to the Father, gave yourself to us. And because of your sacrifice, Lord, you have redeemed us, you have liberated us and set us free free, Lord God, to serve you, to serve one another and this world that is in such desperate need of hope. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, this word would encourage the hearts of those who hear it and instruct and also be a a message, Lord, that um, challenges us and draws us ever closer to you. These things we ask now in your precious name, the name that is above all names, our friend and Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, continuing in our sermon series. Um, it's always your move, and our message today is "Stay Together." And uh, this is the second then of four messages that we'll share in throughout the month of January. Uh, we are moving as we find ourselves from the 14th century BC now to the 12th century BC. So we've moved forward by a couple hundred years and. Uh, Canaan, as we find it at this present uh, moment in the world's history, is just a former shadow of itself. It had much uh, grandeur during the conquest of Joshua. Uh, So many of the um, uh, surrounding pagan countries and tribes were conquered under Joshua. But now, uh, as we've advanced along by a couple of hundred years, we find that uh, Israel is no longer so great. And... um, This wasn't just happening for the nation of Israel. This was true all uh, throughout uh, the Mesopotamian world at that period of time because it's the period of the late Bronze Age where actually great civilizations were collapsing in on themselves and uh, they were uh, breaking apart into smaller little city-states and they were relying these smaller city-states upon vast super-empires Uh, to kind of keep the peace if you will and so it's a a period of of great change and great transition and it's also a a period of great invention because it's during this period of the Late Bronze Age in which writing comes to the fore and so for the first time human beings are picking up uh, 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 writing implements and clay tablets and they're beginning to tell their stories. Well, Within Israel's history, this was also uh, a time of apostasy or turning their back upon God and also immorality. Uh, Israel at the time was surrounded by pagan nations like the Hivites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Edomites and the locus of today's story, the Moabites. Now, the backstory for the book of Ruth is that there is this vast famine that is occurring uh, within the greater Palestinian uh, Israel area, and that famine was affecting uh, this tribe, this this country of Moab, which brings us then to the story of Ruth. And within the story of Ruth, we encounter uh, this woman by the name of Naomi, and she had two sons by the name of Malon and Chilion. And these two sons of Naomi, they married two uh, Moabite girls. And so Naomi had two daughters-in-law who were Orpah and Ruth, the title for today's biblical text. And as the story unfolds, we find that Naomi's husband, by the name of Elimelech, he dies. And then to add even more tragedy uh, to her husband's passing, her two sons also die. And so Naomi is left alone, just her by herself and her two uh, daughters and daughters-in-law. And they are now left very, very vulnerable because during those days, the social structure was such that women left by themselves as widowers, and that's why it is that in the book of James, James says that the, the, most, the highest standard for the Christian gospel is what? To take care of the widow and orphan, and here we find evidence of this within the book of Ruth that Naomi was widowed, and so very, very vulnerable, uh, and, and to add to that was this period of famine. No husband, and very, very little food. And so Naomi makes this very, very difficult decision for she had heard that God was actually blessing the nation of Israel with great food stocks. And so she thought to herself, my husband is gone. My two sons are gone. I'm going to set off to Israel, where she was originally from, actually, and I'm going to see if I can't make a way for myself in life. And so she makes that difficult choice after having lived in Moab for 10 years. Uh, she became used to the culture there to make the trek to return back home to Bethlehem. But on her way back home to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem is just a, another way of identifying that town with the name Breadbasket. That's what Bethlehem means, Bread basket, And so she comes to this decision that her two daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, you know what? They need to be given a choice too. And so Naomi allows the choice for her daughters-in-law to return to their homes, remember they were Moabite girls, to return back to Moab so that they can hit the reset button and start their lives all over again. And there's this very moving passage within the book of Ruth, it's not our text for today, but um, their mother-in-law, Naomi, has this heart-to-heart with her two daughters-in-law, and she says, look at girls, even if I was to find another husband again, which is an unlikely scenario, and even if I were to have children again, and even if those children were, were to be boys, think of all the time that would go by before they would turn into men, so, so the best thing for you to do is to go back to Moab and start your lives all over again. And so in a very moving and powerful way within the book of Ruth, they make their own choices. And so Ruth, when she is given that choice, she makes the decision that she is going to stay With her mother in law, Naomi. And in a very touching passage of scripture that is still recited at at many, many wedding ceremonies today, Ruth says, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die and there be buried. And may the Lord do unto me even worse if anything but death parts the two of us from one another. Well, what Naomi knew, the mother-in-law to the core of her being, was that her daughters-in-law that they needed to have the right of self-determination. That is to make up their own mind about their own future. And as a pastor, I've seen this played out time and time again at every wedding that I have officiated at is actually a celebration of the right to self-determination where a young man and a young woman come down the aisle and and they leave the apron strings of mother and father, if you will, and they set out on a new course of life for themselves, exercising their own free self-determination. Yes, and so this idea of self-determination, we also find it enshrined in congregationalism, which is the theological tradition of which this congregation is a part. And what is congregationalism? Congregationalism believes that each of us are free to make up our own mind about how it is that we will worship God. So by dint of the fact that you are here, it's an expression of your decision that here is the place that you choose and wish to worship God. But even though this is true of congregationalism, we learn from Ruth that when given the choice And by the way, her sister-in-law, Orpah, she does. She goes back to Moab to worship all the foreign and strange gods, to be with her family. That was her choice. But when Naomi gives that choice, Ruth chooses to stay. To have a choice, but to choose to stay. It was Ruth's move, and she chose to stay. Staying together in the story of Ruth trumped the right of her own self-determination. Her own choice to make her own decision, which was freely given to her. She said, no, what's greater is that you and I, Naomi, that we stay together. Now, apart from the deep emotional connection between these two women, we must ask, well, why? Why did she do this? Why did Ruth decide to to go with Naomi back to Bethlehem? Perhaps it was because of her need to survive. That is, two women clinging together is is better than, than one trying to survive all by herself. Or perhaps Ruth also found that the gods of Moab were meaningless. And that she just couldn't face embracing a shallow faith. Like her sister, Orpah. It's not that the gods of Moab were boring, you know, not by any means at all. They weren't. The gods of Moab, they were rather exciting. You had Chemosh, the destroyer, you know would put any kind of video game that kids like to play on today to shame, you know, and come off the destroyer, demanded his human sacrifices that blood be shed, and they took that very seriously in Moab. Or there is Ashtar, the fertility goddess known for her untrammeled sexual love with anyone that came calling upon her. But despite all of this excitement in religion, perhaps Ruth found that these gods really did lack substance and meaning. Just like the empty gods of the 21st century, rampant consumerism, intrusive technology, and the god of superficial entertainment. And who wants to worship a God who lacks substance and meaning? Apparently a lot of people do, but not Ruth. No, Ruth is not going for what's on the surface, not in her relationship with her mother-in-law, and not in her faith. She wants to have a faith that is going to go deeper than just the superficial gods of Moab, yeah? She understands that it's emotional and spiritual depth that keeps people together. If you're together because of the emotions, well and good. But even better to be together because of the spiritual depth in the relationship. And so there are three ideas that I, that I want to share with you that emerge from the book of Ruth that can help us all stay together. And why is that so important? Because we too live in a time of great societal flux and collapse. It is, as I've shared with you from this pulpit previously, it is the new dark age. Institutions, borders, politics, government, education, the environment, health care, welfare, even the very nature of the family of itself in the 21st century is all being turned on its head, its head upside down. Seemingly that no one can rely upon or count upon all that we held as stable. It's all up for grabs. So how do we stay together as we find ourselves in perhaps what is the the greatest season of societal change in 500 years? Well, the first thing that Naomi and Ruth faced was their own grief. And grief is a period of change. Naomi lost her husband, and her two sons, and Ruth lost her husband, and so this story begins with deep, tragic loss. Maybe yours is also, one, a story of deep and inconsolable and tragic loss. There was a young boy who was sent to the corner store by his mother to buy a loaf of bread, and He was gone far too much longer than what it takes normally just to ride his bike to the store and purchase a loaf of bread. And when he finally returned, his mother asked, Well, where have you been? I've been worried six that you've been gone for so long and he said well he said there was a little boy that I saw when I was coming out of the store and his bike was broken and he was sitting there on the curb and he was crying so I stopped to help him because his bike was busted and the mother said well I, I didn't know that son that you knew anything about fixing bikes and he replied he said I don't I just sat down on the curb and I cried with him. As we encounter their grief, Naomi and Ruth, we also encounter something else. Their grief moves them not into depression and despondency, but into action. That's where their grief takes them. How? By letting go of the place that was their adopted home, Moab, for 10 years. Letting it go recognizing that the future was not behind them, but was in front of them. What staying together invariably meant for these women was that they were crossing over a line. Yeah. There's this place, it's called Castleward. It's a a stately home. Uh, It was built in the 1760s, and it's about uh, 30 miles outside of Belfast, Ireland. And the original owners of that house in the 1700s were... Uh, Bernard Ward, the first Viscount of Bangor, and his wife, Lady Anne. And one of the most striking features of this house is that it has two styles of architecture. The rear of the house is built in Gothic style architecture, while the front of the house is neoclassical. It's built that way because Bernard and Lady Anne could not agree on one style for their house. And so not only did they differ in their architectural preferences, they apparently had other differences because Lady Anne eventually walked out of the marriage. And so depending upon your point of view, the house is either a celebration of diversity Or it is a monument to stubbornness. Depends upon how you look at it. When Noah built the ark, he wasn't stubborn he crossed over a line. Genesis 6-9 says he was the only blameless person that was living in the world at the time. When Abraham left his pagan family in Ur of the Chaldees, he was stepping across a line to venture forth to a nation that had never been inhabited before. Moses crossed a line when he obeyed God and confronted Pharaoh and said, let my people go free. Hosea crossed a line when God asked him to marry the prostitute Gomer as a example of God's love for the nation of Israel and that even though Israel was steeped in sin, God would buy her back again because he loves her so much. And Jesus crossed a line when he said no to all of the glorious temptations offered to him by the evil one in the wilderness and he drank that cup of suffering and death so that you and I might be forgiven. There is a story from World War II about a group of American soldiers. They, tragically, in their grief, they lost their buddy in an armed conflict, in a battle. And they carried his body to the only cemetery in the area uh, that was close by, which happened to be a Catholic cemetery. And when the priest was told that the dead man was, was not Catholic, the priest said, well, gee, sorry guys, he, we just, we, he can't be buried here, we can't, we can't do that, he's not, he's not Catholic. And so the disheartened and discouraged soldiers uh, of this uh, deceased soldier, they decided to do what they thought was the next best thing, and during the night they buried their comrade, but, but just outside of the cemetery fence, because they knew what the priest had said, can't be buried inside of the cemetery, and and so with that, they returned the very next morning to pay their last respects. They couldn't find the grave. And so they went to the priest, and, they, and in their anxiety, they told the priest of their quandary, and, 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 and then the, the priest replied to them and said, well, I appreciate you guys sharing that with me, and I know that this is a tough time of grief for you. And the first part of the night, I... I stayed awake because I was sorry for what I had said to you, that your friend who died in battle could not be buried here. And the second part of the night I spent moving the fence. You see, Ruth crossed the line when she said to her mother-in-law, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from following you, for where I go... Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge, and your people, the Israelites, shall be my people, and your God will be my God, and where you die, I will die. And so, my friends, cross the line. Move the fence if you've got to, for goodness sakes. As Ruth once did, she stepped out, she had the choice, but she followed after Naomi, She discarded the trifling, distracting gods of today. Let us do that as Ruth once did in her time and let us cling to one another and let us stay together always, remembering that it is always your move. May the Lord bless this message to our hearts together today. Amen.